Welcome back to Blueprint for Wealth. I'm Wayne Zell, and with me today is my special guest, Laurie Mensing. Welcome, Laurie. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Wayne. It's a pleasure to be here. My goodness gracious, you've come a long way with uh, podcasts now. It's fantastic. Used to be radio, now it's podcasts, now it's video casts. You know, whatever we can do to get our message out to the community is what we try to do. Laurie is a number one agent for Long and Foster and McLean, and she's a number one agent for Long and Foster in the Northern Virginia region, ranked in the top 250 nationwide, according to Real Trends, for individual volume. So she's got a really, really successful real estate practice, and we're going to talk to her today about some of her secrets for for uh, for her success. Um, she. You know, I think she's gotten there. She's going to tell us how she got there, but she likes working with her clients, and she's honest and sincere in the way she deals with her clients. Um, she's also worked in the re relocation services industry, both professionally and personally, which gives her sort of an edge on a lot of real estate agents who have not done that. And her specialties are luxury home sales in Northern Virginia. She's a local school specialist for McLean and Great Falls, which is really important for the people that live in that area. I can tell you that as a resident of Great Falls for 19 years and Reston now. And, and uh, she is a listing agent in Northern Virginia, selling agent, and a relocation specialist, among other things. So, you know, Laurie, tell us how you got into the real estate agency business. How did, how did it all start? Well, it really started through my husband's career. We moved um, 12 times in 18 years. Wow. Um, with and without pregnancies and everything else in between. And when and we lived internationally um, as well as domestically moving. When we came back from London, I wanted to start a destination services company and thought, well, the first arm to do that would be to get my license because everyone needs shelter first. So I, I went about and did that very quietly because of, there's just, of course, a hundred million realtors out there and, and, you know, three quarters of them aren't really worth their, their weight and whatever. Everybody's anyway, a realtor. You got it. And everyone's got a friend who's one. So uh, very quietly went and got my license and then decided to, to hang, hang my licensure with, with Long and Foster and, uh, and never really look back. I've just been able to provide those destination services that are needed, whether it's someone moving around the country, around the world, or around the block, um, and really at all price points. It's It's been a magnificent ride and a lot of fun. And um, people tell me, I guess I'm pretty good at it. But most importantly, it's um, it's been uh, it's been very rewarding. How how has it been in the last two or three years, maybe five years in the Northern Virginia market? What what have you seen? What are you seeing this year? And what do you project for 2022? Well, I think 20, I think, I think the past five years have been um, transformative in many ways. Um, uh, I think it blows my mind as well as a lot of people in the industry to think that there's so many transactions happening in spite of uh, this negative energy that's that's upon everyone with the COVID um, pandemic right now. But I think it speaks to um, essential services that people still need to buy and sell homes. Um, companies um, are still moving people from point A to point B, even though it may be a virtual move um, and eventual uh, physical, um, you know, brick and mortar location or need. So we've, we've had a rare, very, very robust um, 
industry, especially with low interest rates. Right now, there's a lot of liquidity, a lot of people holding a lot of cash. We're seeing a lot of cash offers at all price points. Um, even those that can afford to pay multi-million dollar prices for cash are still choosing to borrow because interest rates are still so historically low. Right. Um, it's been it's been a great time to be in real estate. It really is. Um, this. I mean, are you still seeing people making offers over list and 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 properties <laughs> selling over list in this marketplace today? Yes, um, definitely. Uh, depending upon obviously location and overall condition of home. Right. I'm also seeing a little bit of greediness in the marketplace with sellers who seem to think, well, I've lived in my home for 28 years and I don't need to do a darn thing and I can put it on the market and still command the price of a new sale home. Um, buyers are smarter than that. And um, we have we it's a very savvy, uh, intellectually wise buyer and seller in this area. I think okay. 2022, to answer your question real quick, yeah. 2022, I think we're going to still see low inventory. Um, uh, we're getting more and more calls for, for listing appointments now. Um, so that's a good thing. We've got that's a good sign. Yes, we're we're but, short of, of supply, right? And there's a, they're going off zealous fat or uh, they're going off Wayne as fast as, as they're coming on. They're, you know, they're going off as fast as they're coming on. So, for example, I'm showing property this afternoon to somebody on a simple townhome in Vienna that just hit the market. They already have one offer above list price, no contingencies, and she has 12 showings today. Oh, my um, gosh. And that, that will be off market by 6 o'clock tonight. So That is amazing. That yeah. is amazing. Busy, busy that time. It's a busy time. And you think that uh, that there's a good prospect of it continuing because of the shortage in supply and interest rates still are historically lower than ever. I mean, even though they're Absolutely. inching upward. Absolutely. They're still below 4%. I, I remember when my parents took out their mortgage in Bethesda in 1966, their mortgage was 5.3%. Yeah. So you yeah. put it all in perspective. It's, uh, it's a historically you know, great time to buy. Um, it has influenced the prices upward, though, wouldn't you think? Yeah, I mean, it's going to top out. Um, and, and of course, every time you have a every time you have property that sells for more and more and more, you're setting your base for your comps. Um, but if an investor can get in, if an investor can get in as a or you can hold a piece of property as an investment, it, it's a good time to think about finding the dog in the neighborhood, so to speak, and making it your own. Um, sure. Just sitting on it. Sure. So. The, uh, you know, with, with the supply shortage, the high demand, I mean, Amazon moving into the area, Rolls-Royce here, Lidos, all the big government contractors, Northrop, Grumman. I mean, there's plenty of activity. There's plenty of activity. How do you differentiate your practice, your real estate practice from your competitors? Because as you said, it's like lawyers in this area. There are a dime a dozen. How do you differentiate yourself? Well, I'm very lucky to have my business really driven by referrals. So um, uh, I don't have to go out and do a ton of marketing of myself. Um, and so for that, I'm grateful. Um, once you ha are working with good people, good people begets good people. Um, and, and you have to foster those relationships. Um, and I think the best way to foster those relationships is by being real and transparent and yourself and not trying to pretend 
to be someone that you're not. Um, people feel that intrinsically. Um, and uh, people can smell a phony. <laughs> <laughs> and, relocation uh, services. Tell me a little bit about the, the, the capabilities that you add in the relocation services world. Well, I think it's really important when you're dealing with a corporate reload to understand the process of how a corporate relocation company um, interacts with the client and interacts, interfaces with the lender um, from a direct billing standpoint, um, all the way down to understanding what the benefits are to that particular client. Um, every company is different. Every program is different. Um, and Corporate reload is not what it used to be, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Um, they, they, uh, How has it changed? Well, I can only speak in generalities because, um, to be quite honest with you, Wayne, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not supposed to know, truthfully. Um, I am given a client, and a client uh, and I are supposed to find a house, and I'm not supposed to know that they you know, have a buyout on their sale, but, but this happens holistically. Sure. Um, once you, once you learn what is, what the client uh, receives from their corporate relocation, then you can better um, be, um, you know, you're better armed to be, to be, to offer in their best services, what they need. Um, lining up settlement dates, knowing that they can, you know, proceeds can, maybe a client has the ability to have the proceeds cash advanced for the sale. Maybe somebody right. else doesn't. Right. Um, all of that's very important information, obviously. Well, it's important on for you in order to basically help structure the deal for the client, right? Well, so and, minimize, and minimize their risk. I mean, right. that's our number one job as a realtor is to, is to minimize, minimize risk. Absolutely. Now you've built this practice. You started, how long ago did you start this? I was licensed in the fall of 2006. Okay. The end of October 20. It's about the time you and I met, I think. I think um, that's when you helped me form my LLC. <laughs> yeah. So it's been a good ride. You're 15, 16 years into it. Um, what challenges have you faced over the last 15 years? You know, that oh hurdles, obstacles that you've had to overcome. Um, hurdles, obstacles, things I've learned maybe. Yeah. Um, I think I've learned, uh, I learned very early on, um, year four or five that, um, I needed an assistant. Um, I needed somebody to, you know, the old expression, if you don't have an assistant, you are one. Um, <laughs> and, um, I've been very, very blessed over the years to hire some really wonderful people. And right now I have someone with me who's been almost eight years and we are uh, a true consummate arm of one another and I'm very blessed for that. So I think that's the one thing I learned right off the bat is that ask for assistance, seek help where you, where you are not in your own wheelhouse of knowing something. I can do what she can do, but a heck of a lot slower. Um, and with a lot more questions. <laughs> right. And it's not the highest and best use of your time. No, so probably not. relying on people to help you. That's what, that's an important thing. That I think learned. that's important. Yeah. You can't. You Any try other to challenges? Um, I think working with um, well-educated and um, knowledgeable people in the field. Um, I don't think all companies provide the training and education and support systems for their agents. Um, quite often you run into agents that just simply need a little extra help along the way with the transaction. And I don't mind doing that. 
again, it's representing and minimizing risk for everyone involved. Um, and um, but I think that there could probably be, um, but you know, it, it, you know, these cycles weed people out, Wayne. So I don't worry too much about that. Well, as a number one realtor, you're not going to have to worry be worrying about being weeded out. There's a lot of people below you that might have to worry about that. Well, and that's, that's what's probably the most challenging is working with an agent who um, who really is just not legally in tune with, with the ins and outs of, for example, the contract just changed um, again. Um, you need, but that's okay. You just help them along the way. It's teamwork. Because you want to make it happen for the client. Absolutely. Absolutely. And whichever client. Do you represent buyers and sellers? I do. I do. I'm perceived as being a listing agent, Wayne. And, um, but I really, when I look at my numbers at the end of the year, they're really about 50-50. Um, Which is great. Buyers. Oh, I love it. It, it. it speaks to great balance, I think. It speaks to um, strong negotiation skills of being able to look at both sides of the contract. Um, and um, I love it. I love I love doing both sides. It's very, very Where did important. you get your negotiating uh, prowess from? How did you <laughs> I have it? no idea. I have no idea. Just experience and, and dealing with people. Um, I think just if you, if, if you, if when you need to be able to think like a buyer when you're working with a buyer and you need, and you need to know what the, if you can think like a seller when you're working with a buyer, it just, it helped. You just can be very, very savvy and smart. So if you, were counseling a young woman or man who was trying to get into the real estate agency business and they wanted to start up, what words of advice would you give to them based on all the experience now that you've had? I would say find a seasoned agent and, um, and just, just try your very best to mirror, mirror them, learn everything you can, hold open houses, um, you know, take them to lunch, find out what you can find out. Um, and um, just imitate, imitate, imitate. That's the, the, the greatest flattery anyone could ever have um, is, is, is that of imitation. And, and I, um, I, that's what I did. I, I surrounded myself with really good people and um, asked a lot of questions. And then I worked really hard and spent a lot of time learning systems. Um, Are you all, providing all that kind of mentorship to Absolutely. any uh, young folks today? Always. I, my door is always open. And... Um, that's one of the things I love about my office, truthfully, is that it's a real strong sense of camaraderie and um, uh, uh, spirited, cooper spirited cooperation in, um, you know, helping people fulfill the American dream. I that's mean, it, awesome. sounds it sounds corny, but it's true. Nah, it's not corny. It's what it, what it's all about. Team teamwork is what it's all about. And working together with it people is. is what it's all about. And you've learned how to do that. We're talking with Laurie Mensing, who is with uh, Long and Foster. Laurie, if people want to get in touch with you, how do they get in touch with you? They can reach me on my website, lauriemensing.com. That's probably the quickest way. All my information is right there. Awesome. And I really appreciate reconnecting with you and you joining me on this video cast today. Thank you, Wayne. All the best to you in 2022. Yes. Have, a, have another killer year in 2022, Laurie. And thanks. thanks for watching and listening to Blueprint for Wealth. And join us next time for another educational moment and a special guest. I'm Wayne Zell. Have a great week. Hi, this is Wayne Zell. And we were just talking with a real estate expert on Blueprint for Wealth. And one of the tools in the real estate world 
that doesn't get enough attention and should is the issue of dealing with like-kind exchanges. So I'm going to give you a few tidbits on like-kind exchanges because you should have that in your tool chest if you're looking at becoming a real estate investor. What's a like-kind exchange? Let me give you an overview. We'll talk about it. How, was, how does it work? What are some of the special considerations with like-kind exchanges and when does it work and when does it not work? What are the advantages and disadvantages? Well, it's a technique where people can basically swap property, exchange property, and not have to pay income tax on the sale or exchange of the first property. So you can sell a property and replace it within a specified time period and not pay income tax until you ultimately sell the last property. So dispose of one piece of real estate, acquire another one. After 2017, note, like-kind exchange rules only allow you to do this with real estate. You can't do it anymore with a business or intangible assets. How does it work? Well, when you sell a piece of real estate, you normally have to pay tax, capital gains tax, on the sale. And if you had depreciation on the real estate, you have to pay depreciation recapture or ordinary income tax on that, which ranges in rates all the way up to 37%. The capital gains top rate is 20%, and you have to have held the property for more than 12 months. Section 1031 of the Internal Revenue Code allows you as a taxpayer to defer income tax on the sale of real estate if you reinvest the proceeds into similar property that has a value at least equal to what you sold. So if you get cash in addition to the replacement real estate, you're going to have to pay tax on it. That's known as cash or boot. And it does not allow you to do this with personal residences unless you converted it into a rental property. But the key is you have to identify the replacement property within 45 days of selling the first property. Or, and, excuse me, you have to purchase the replacement property within 180 days of the sale. You could actually identify the replacement property first and then sell the uh, property uh, that you wanted to replace it with. It doesn't have to be in exactly the same order. So it allows you to d defer ordinary income tax that otherwise might be incurred because of depreciation recapture. And if you follow the state rules, you may be able to achieve exemption from state income tax. Often, it's good to use a qualified intermediary, somebody who specializes in only handling like-kind exchanges, usually a real estate lawyer, that provides this service for a reasonable fee, and it's worth it, believe me. The advantages, of course, are income tax deferral. And if you hold on to the replacement properties, and there's no limit on the number of like-kind exchanges you can do, you can keep rolling over property one after another after another. And as, as the value increases, obviously there's going to be a difference between the value and what you originally paid for the original property. So there may be a huge gain. If you die holding that replacement property, you get to step up the fair market value the basis to fair market value so that there will be no capital gain if your heirs sell the replacement property after you die. There's no limit on the number of transactions, but you've got to follow the rules. There's specific forms that have to be followed and you have to meet the 
the deadlines, the 45-day and the 180-day uh, uh, period. Also, losses are deferred, and they're lost if you die holding property with a loss built into it. So that's just a little bit about like-kind exchanges. It'll help you in your real estate investment practice and use it as a tool in your quiver to build your blueprint for wealth. I'm Wayne Zell. Have a great week.